Hey there, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This is going to be a bonus episode, and I'm here with Lee Robinson from Vercel. Is it Vercel or Versol or? Vercel. I usually hear Vercel, so. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Good deal. Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Let people know who you are and why we're excited to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm Lee. I'm the VP of Developer Experience at Vercel. And really, my my mission is to help grow and educate our entire developer community. So that's you know creating blog posts, videos, content, just trying to help developers succeed with our platform. Very cool. And how long have you been at Vercel? About two and a half years now. I joined when we were a, a much smaller company than today. We've grown quite a bit, so it's mm-hmm. been a it's been a fun journey. Yeah, I remember when Guillermo started the whole thing, and yeah, people were like, "Well, this is going to be cool," and yeah, it's it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I was a fan and a customer many years before I actually joined the company. So it's been really fun to watch from the sidelines for a while and then to be able to join and help contribute to the cause. Yeah, absolutely. So I watched some, how do I put it? Like it was a talk, but it was like a whole day's worth of talks. Yeah. Uh, next next JS Conf, and there were a bunch of uh, announcements and yeah, just some terrific stuff coming into uh, Next.js. So let's start there and then we can talk because there were also announcements as far as like some of the things that Vercel's doing. And I yep. want to cover it all. But yeah, let's start with kind of the mo- the Next.js stuff. And I'm, I'm curious as we get going, um, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, and we'll start with this one. Uh, what is the most impactful change or impactful improvement to Next.js that you see? Because there were a few in there that I got excited about, but yeah. Yeah, I think the centerpiece of our recent release of Next.js 13 was really around giving developers some new tools today to work with to help mm-hmm. improve their applications and also really shine a light and, and tell the community about our vision for where we're taking Next.js in the future. So for me, the most impactful thing today that developers can take advantage of and really start putting in in every application are the components that we're providing in the toolkit that Next.js gives developers to help make their sites fast and you know visually stable and, and responsive. And I think the two ones that we talked about a lot at the um, you know the past event were images and fonts. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to developers, these are two things that maybe sound easy from the outside or sound easy in practice, but are actually really difficult to get right, especially at scale. So we're giving developers these optimizations around how they deliver images to make sure that they're, you know, they don't have layout shift on the page. They don't slow down the initial page load. How we can give a a toolkit to developers for fonts so that you don't have that jarring shift when your custom font loads in. Uh, And again, to help uh, improve that initial page load performance. I think those are going to give the biggest impact to developers today. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, on JavaScript Jabber in particular, we've covered the core web vitals. And yeah, the, yep. that initial load and the the page shift. Yeah, those are things that you get dinged for if you don't have them figured out. And so, yeah, <laughs> Guillermo was up there talking about it. And I'm like, this is great. So, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was excited, too, because I've done plenty of the image wrangling, you know, on the back end and on the front end. And it's just such a headache. And, and I never yeah. am sure I got it right. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I've written a blog post before about like how to properly configure web fonts in the right way. And you basically have to write like this massive blog post to figure out all the little nuances of doing it correctly. So mm-hmm. our team was basically like, what if we could take 
this knowledge of you know all the amazing engineers on the team and just put that into something that was easily productionized and mobilized for the entire community to be able to use and just get great font performance and great font usage by default. Yeah, well, the other thing is, is if you run like your Lighthouse score, or use your Chrome web tools, it seems like that's always the low hanging fruit, or at least the thing that it's pointing out this image and this image and this image. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this font. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Images and fonts are some of the biggest repeat offenders of slower or lower mm -hmm. Lighthouse scores. Well, and I fixed them and had my score go from an F to a B, right? So <laughs> it really does make a difference. So if people want to start using these components, I guess they just upgrade to Next 13 and then just start using them? Yeah, that's the great thing is, you know, in providing this essentially toolkit for the web, giving developers this open source framework, whether they're deploying to their own infrastructure, whether they're deploying to kind of a managed provider like Vercel, which is, you know, where I work, they can take advantage of all of these different, all these different optimizations. Yeah, it makes sense. And is I know some of the upgrades that you get in a lot of systems like Next are, they're kind of transparent, right? So you upgrade to Next 13 and it goes faster or something. Right. Yep. And then others you have to actually use, you have to deliberately go replace all your components. So so where does this fit in all of that? Yeah, we actually introduced the image component a couple prior Next.js comps ago, actually. So we've been essentially iterating on this for multiple years okay. now, getting feedback from the community, trying to fine tune it down to be not only the best developer experience for how you actually write your images, but also the best end user performance when you're you're loading your website. So we've been iterating on images for a while. We're pretty happy with where we're at right now. For fonts, we previously had a, a much more simplistic font optimization built into Next.js. And with 13, we really added a lot more functionality here both for local fonts on your machine or from like remote fonts from a font registry like Google Fonts. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty big improvement in, in version 13 for both of these components. That's awesome. What other things are people looking at for uh, Next 13? Yeah, so another really large piece of the Next 13 puzzle was we've already, we've got this solution today in the pages directory that allows developers to to drop a file in and create a route in their application. It's, it's right. one of the things that developers really love Next.js for. And we've been, we've been working on a plan for introducing a new routing system into Next.js over the past multiple years. And we wanted to do so in a way that didn't block developers from updating to the latest version. Right. They could essentially opt into trying these new changes as they're ready and incrementally adopt this new this new architecture for building Next.js applications, basically. So mm -hmm. version 13 is the first time developers can actually get their hands on this code. And it starts with the new app directory. So this okay. new directory, you know, different name, it's in beta. And the architecture is actually much different than the pages directory. Okay. The great thing about it is as developers, you know, go to try this stuff out, they don't necessarily have to use it. They could ignore it if they want to. Or they could just take over, for example, one page in their application. So we're really, really focused on incremental adoption here. But for the developers who do want to opt into this, they can get some really amazing benefits, some things that developers have been asking us for, for for years to add to the framework. So better support for nested routes, being able to co-locate your style sheets or your tests or other components alongside the routes in your directory, using React server components by default mm. to send less client-side JavaScript, 
and do more work on the server. Just a whole host of benefits inside this directory that we're kind of all packaging up into a a really nice file system-based router. So what's the difference then between the pages directory and the app directory? Is it just these additional things you can do with it? Yeah, you can basically think of the the pages directory in, in 13, the stable you know, the stable directory, that's kind of the way the routing system works today. It's kind mm-hmm. of the the one that developers already know. And right. then as they're ready to opt into this app directory, which is, you know, quite a bit different, make some different decisions, it kind of functions almost as a separate app. So you can okay. kind of take advantage of both parts until you're ready to kind of flip the switch and move things over. So I can run them concurrently. Yep. Yeah, I think what we'll see and what we've seen in practice so far is, and this is kind of how we're we're doing it ourselves on Versal.com, is the majority of our application is still in pages. And we've taken over just a little bit in app for now. Mm-hmm. We're making sure that things are working as expected. We're working through some of the, the early improvements that we can get further stability with the app directory on, squashing some bugs, all that fun stuff before we kind of crank that up and put more traffic on there. That makes sense. So yeah, so then people can kind of piecemeal stuff over. It's like, oh, this is this has the features that I've been wanting for a while for this page I had in pages and you yep. know, magic ensues and you get what you wanted. Yep. Yeah. And another big thing too is there's so many, since there's so many different and new mental models to understand for how mm-hmm. routing works, how layouts work, how data fetching works, we've essentially rewritten the documentation from the ground up. So we have a new beta documentation at beta.nextjs.org that's written specifically for the app directory. So right. we're, we're incubating this right now and getting a lot of feedback from the community by like allowing developers basically to comment directly on the docs and leave feedback. And that's helping make some of our best docs so far. Awesome. Now, one other thing that when, when I was watching, I got pretty excited about was the Turbo Pack. Is, is, that, is that the right name of it? Yeah. And that, that's basically your new build system. And they they were showing like the speeds on it and stuff, because I have to say, I mean, I think the best illustration that I've seen of this is a XKCD where the guys are sword fighting. The boss walks in and is like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, it's a build, right? And for me, at least, it's it's like, well, wow, I get that instant feedback. You know, it's like it's done. You know, it builds, it works. Right. And at least with TypeScript, right, I get that feedback right away. That that's the thing that I really want. Right. And so then I'm not sitting around waiting for CICD to get its act together. And 10 minutes later, it's like, oh, I couldn't build. And then, you know, then I'm coming back. What, what, what did I change? I don't remember because I moved on to the next thing. The interesting thing with TurboBack is it's fundamentally different than a lot of things that exist today because it's designed to never recompute work that's already been done. So it's got a very oh, okay. smart caching layer built in. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? Does it just build an index as part of the build or is it doing something different or how does that go? Yeah, so the cool thing is when you think about one of its inspirations, Turbo Repo, it was understanding how to have a very intelligent cache at the kind of repo or application level, right? Mm -hmm. With Turbo Pack, we're taking this even further down to the module level, right? So I have this graph of dependencies of all of my imports. I'm importing Mm -hmm. something from a different file or from NPM, TurboPack is able to very intelligently understand that graph and understand which things have changed. Yeah, that yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. So yeah, so it, it just evaluates the code and says, I've already got this, I've already got this, right? And at least for right now, where the initial version is focused is really around local development speed and how fast mm-hmm. you can make updates on your local dev server. But the next big thing after this is actually taking that to production builds as well too. Right. So are you expecting then that people won't be using this for their production builds quite yet or where are um, we at there? not yet yeah it, it's still 
It's still early, but we released it at the conference. It was in alpha, and we've made quite a bit of progress since then. I'm working on doing a, a new release here soon that's going to provide more stability, more things that are supported. But I would expect being able to do production builds in 23 will definitely be available. Nice. Now, one other thing that I, I seem to remember about this is when you compare it to something like Webpack or something like that, those are all written in JavaScript. And this is built in Rust, which is kind of part of the fast, reliable approach that you have. What inspired you to do that as opposed to, yeah, just kind of duplicating this kind of work in JavaScript? Yeah. So the the creator of, of Webpack, Tobias, works at Purcell, actually, and really has learned a lot in the, the 10 years that Webpack has been out mm-hmm. and has tried to take that knowledge combined with the knowledge of the Turbo Repo team at Vercel and design what that next level build system, that next level bundler would be. And we kind of realized it, it really needed to be written in a non-JavaScript language. Okay. So specifically, we chose Rust um, since it's a little bit lower level and our team has experience with it to really be able to take advantage of this native infrastructure to kind of crank out the the best performance possible. Cool. Are there other features? Those seem to be the ones that stand out to me. Are there other features in uh, Next.js 13 that we should let people know about? Not exactly in the framework itself, but another big feature that was announced at the conference was the acquisition of SplitB for Vercel which introduces some improvements to our Vercel Analytics product, which for Next.js developers essentially means that they update to the latest version, they can click a button and they can turn on analytics and get this privacy-friendly first-party analytics to understand the the traffic of their website. Um, So that was another big announcement we made at the event. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I completely understand where you're going with that. So can you go into a little more depth? What exactly is the feature? Like, what does it do for you? Yeah, so the great thing about Vercel Analytics is you basically don't have to configure anything in your application code, and it will automatically inject a first-party script to help you understand the incoming traffic to your website. So you okay. can see it's essentially a, a privacy-friendly version of Google Analytics, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all localized? Like all the all the numbers and stuff, or is that is that built into Vercel? So if I'm using Vercel, it adds it adds the analytics code that way. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So under the hood, essentially, Vercel will inject a a first party okay. script tag that does mm-hmm. the ingestion of the data points. Okay, I got gotcha. you. And so so what does this new acquisition add to that? So previously, Vercel Analytics was only focused on Core Web Vitals tracking, so you can understand. Mm-hmm how those metrics were you know, improving or decreasing right. over time. Then with this acquisition, now it's also handling kind of first-party visitor traffic or audience data. Okay, that makes sense. That actually sounds really nice. I still don't understand Google Analytics. <laughs> yeah, it's just one less tool or one less script that you need to add. Right, yeah. Well, and I every time I put put it into a new website, it's like, it's almost a new product. So. It's hard for me to find my way around the UI <laughs> a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah, So so that sounds terrific. Anything else that was announced that we want to make sure we cover? I know you've got some exciting stuff coming up too. So I think it's it's worth going a little bit further into the app directory because it's really setting a new a new default and a new standard for how Next.js applications will be built. So by shifting a lot of this defaults to the server, mm-hmm. we can actually reduce the amount of client-side JavaScript that we send and help our application be more scalable, whether there's one component or 10,000 components. The baseline amount of JavaScript is actually going to, or client-side JavaScript, is going to remain the same because you're shifting these React components to run on the server by default. 
Okay. So does the front end not need them then, or does it just lazy load them when it when it needs them? Yeah, basically you can you can kind of think about it as previously when doing a, a server rendered application, your components were being turned into some some markup, some HTML mm-hmm. sent to the browser, and then hydrated on the client side to actually make those right. components interactive. With server components, it actually flips this. So your components are still turned into HTML on the server. But any you know heavy dependencies you needed to load or any logic that um, you needed to compute, like maybe you wanted to fetch some data and, and turn it into HTML, all mm-hmm. of that logic can remain entirely on the server and you're just getting back the generated HTML. Then when you do want to add interactivity on the client side, then you can opt into using a client component or what is essentially you know what existed in Next.js prior to using the app right. directory. And what we found in talking to a lot of developers is that a lot of that code that's just doing data fetching or, or mutations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that could just be server components by default and help reduce the amount of JavaScript in your application. I gotcha. I guess my question is that, because I love the idea, right? That, yeah, you know, it, it does it all, builds the page, you know, puts it out there. But yeah, then if I do have a traditional component that needs to fetch that same data, right? Then does it, that? that's what I'm wondering about, you know? At that point, does it just lazy load it in or how, how does that all get handled? Yeah, if you have a um, you know a more traditional React component where you still wanted to do you know any interactivity or any client side data fetching, you can still do all that with the same mental model that you know mm-hmm. today. Just by marking it as a client component, it essentially functions you know the way you would expect. Okay, can can you have function or uh, components that function as both? Right, so something that's going to be loaded server side and then. You know, sometimes we're just going to update stuff and it's going to work yeah. on the client. Yeah, so so client components can be uh, children of the server components, okay. which allows you to, to construct these trees where, you know, our default and our recommendation is you should do your, your data fetching and a lot of that processing on the server and then only right. opt in the specific interactive pieces into client components. Okay, that makes sense. Very cool. Bet that speeds your page up a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we're seeing... Somewhat similar ideas in some of the other front-end frameworks of today um, that are maybe trying to do the same thing, but with different terminology, uh, whether it's like partially hydrating an area or an island's architecture. A lot of these things are are similarly inspired ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I've been talking a bit. In fact, I think we just had him back on, Mishko Hevery, who's working on Quick. And some of these ideas sound similar to some of the things that he's pulling together. I think one of the, the big differences is that we're not trying to be a framework that has no right. JavaScript, which some of the other frameworks make that optimization, and that's totally that's totally great. What we're trying to do is have the smallest you know, baseline JavaScript as your application scales. So you have this core, which is the React and Next.js runtime, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know some amount of kilobytes. But as I add 10,000 server components, it doesn't add me an extra client-side JS I to gotcha. increase that size. Right. So then if you're bandwidth constrained, things still play nice exactly or if you're yeah if you're on like a lower powered device or a a slower network yeah yeah that too i guess because yeah if your browser doesn't work quickly right you're going to wait for the javascript to compute just as you would to wait for the network to load its stuff and yeah and a key part of this is really playing off and extending a lot of the innovations that have happened in react in react 18 Mm -hmm. specifically and adding support for streaming so a lot of these architectural improvements in React have laid the groundwork to be able to have your server send back some loading state instantly and then mm-hmm. stream in content as that data is is ready, which is going to provide the best user experience. That makes sense. 
And you're just doing that over a WebSocket or something? So on Vercel specifically, we are able to, on our serverless function product, we're able to mm-hmm. send this response back early, which is defined through a loading.js convention. So that okay. file is specifically what we're telling. We're telling our rendering infrastructure to flush that response to the browser, just this mm-hmm. you know loading shell for this part of the page. And then we can keep that connection open to stream back the, the rest of the results as the data fetching or other logic is finished processing. Makes sense. Yeah. So you've got streaming, you've got server components, anything else with that app directory that people ought to know about? Something that's, I think some developers have to warm up to it because it's a little bit different, is really leaning into using the file system. So Next.js has always been opinionated with file system routing, but we're mm-hmm. really extending that with the app directory by having a number of different special files or conventions that we believe will help developers write better applications. So right. you have a, a page.js, which is act, the actual entry point into that route. So slash mm-hmm. about, right? That's going to be in the app directory. That would be an about folder. And then inside of there, a page.js file. That right. actually maps to the about route. You have layout files, special files. You have the ability to define your metadata through the file system, mm-hmm. whether that's you know stuff for open graph images or robots or sitemap or other things related to your SEO. You can even define kind of shared templates for different parts of your application that can help preserve state when you're you know clicking around and you want to not lose some input text in a search box or you want to have a an animation between two different areas that doesn't reset on page transition a lot of these patterns were doable but difficult before and what the app directory is trying to do is make it very easy to get that fluid user experience without having to you know write a bunch of hacks in your application to get there right that sounds really convenient yeah it's in my now couple months three months that i've really been building applications with the app directory Trying to be, you know, that dog fooder, mm-hmm. that 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 right. alpha tester. It's been great. I'm I'm really enjoying the experience and just trying to prepare myself to help create content to bring the rest of the community along for this journey and the rest of the ecosystem along for this journey. Because it's not just Next.js, it's not just React. It's also the ecosystem of packages that solve all the other pieces: the the styling libraries, the state management libraries, the internationalization libraries, all these other pieces. Mm-hmm. Trying to find a way to make sure they're brought into this this new app directory as well, too. Right. So one, do you, do you have any examples of of how this has actually impacted apps? I guess other than the ones that you've built on your own to kind of show this stuff off. Yeah, so we're seeing this really on two different ends of the spectrum right now. On one hand, you have the the hobby developers who are mm-hmm. very willing to put beta software <laughs> into production, whether they should or they right. shouldn't. <laughs> they just want to try out the latest stuff. I've um, never done that. And, <laughs> yeah, I get it, right? I'm rebuilding my portfolio right now uh-huh. <laughs> with with the app directory. And uh, what we're seeing, like the, the early results from this in the beta period is that people are are very surprised why their Lighthouse scores are so good. <laughs> like they don't, they're right. They, they put these screenshots, they're like, Why do I have four 100s on my lighthouse score? I don't understand what changed. And the big change is by shifting a lot of that logic to the server, you're just sending less JavaScript and ultimately getting better right. end user performance. So, for the net new applications that have you know they've started app directory first, we're seeing developers you know get really great performance and overall really take advantage of a lot of these new conventions that we're providing mm-hmm. on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is kind of where you know Vercel.com, the product is at, where our enterprise customers is at. For a lot of these type of applications, you know the 
the maximum amount that they've moved to the Active Directory is like maybe one route or maybe 1% of pages because they're rolling things out in a much more Mm -hmm. controlled manner. We have seen some things in the middle, you know, some some startups who have a little bit more risk (laughs) that they're willing to just go for it. And, you know, they've rewrote their their whole main website and their their documentation and everything with the app directory. So all across that spectrum, we've seen improvements in both the the developer experience and the user experience of, of folks visiting that website. That doesn't mean that we're done yet. Um, there's some there's some big improvements we still want to make for some features that haven't been added yet to the app directory. So some net new additions to the developer experience. There's some bugs and stability things we want to patch up. And at least the thing that I care a lot about too is there's still a lot of work to be done on helping educate the community and bring them along for this journey. Right. You know, like talking, going really in depth about how routing works, how layouts work, what mm-hmm. are server components, what are client components. Our, our, you know, our completely rewritten docs are a good start here. You know, big shout out to Delbaugh, my mm-hmm. team, who's really been leading a lot of this work. Uh, but we've got we've got a bit more work to do to get those polished off. Nice. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I got an email from someone on your team mentioning that you're going to be making an announcement or unlocking a new feature. That's going to be what on Thursday, but I mean we're, we're releasing after that. So, do you want to talk briefly about about what's coming up that people can try yeah. out as soon as they get this? Yeah, absolutely. So let's see. It's been it's been a few months ago now, but Vercel announced the ability to use edge functions on our mm-hmm. platform, and that was you know originally announced in beta. And during that beta right. period, we've really seen quite a bit of growth of this mm-hmm. edge compute product. The the fundamental desire here is you want to have a small amount of compute that's easy to spin up and run some logic, some workflow, and have essentially instant cold starts or basically no cold starts for running that serverless compute. More of the traditional serverless products, they have a little bit of a cold start when you're mm-hmm. starting up something from zero. Um, right. With these you know newer types of edge compute, they've really managed to to mitigate that and also be much more cost effective at scale for customers. So we launched Edge Functions into beta. Uh, We've seen both hobby customers, pro customers, enterprise customers bring in Edge Functions for all different types of workloads, whether it's actually server rendering their entire application using Mm -hmm. Edge Compute, whether it's building API endpoints that run on Edge Compute that are more cost effective for, for larger workloads. All of this has helped us kind of figure out the loose ends and figure out the pieces we need to stitch together to make Edge Functions generally available for all of our customers. And that's now that has now happened and Edge Functions are available for everybody to to use with with all the goodies ready for production. Awesome. What what kind of impact are you seeing with these? Like when people start picking it up and they're like, okay, I'm gonna add these functions. I mean Yeah, I think two things that stick out to me is that the the runtime that these functions run on is essentially a subset of Node.js. So you have these mm-hmm. developers, they're used to writing Node.js, they're used to using the logic they already know right. inside of traditional functions. They want to take these APIs that they've learned in Node.js or in the browser and essentially use those in a in a cohesive way across mm-hmm. all of their compute platforms. So for example, like the, the requests and response and web streams APIs, right? The great thing about this runtime is by Looking at Node.js, and you know, a lot of these are now getting merged into upstream Node.js too. But we're saying we're going to take a a subset of those APIs that are compatible with edge computing platforms, mm-hmm. and by making that trade off 
of saying, well, we're only going to allow some of these things, not all of these things, we can really unlock incredible performance. Right Now, that also comes with a trade-off of how it meshes into the NPM ecosystem as well, too. Mm-hmm. Because it's only using a subset of right. Node.js, that means that there is you know, part of the NPM ecosystem that doesn't yet work with that. And there are solutions being worked on to try to mitigate some of that as well, too. But what we've seen from early customers who are willing to make those trade-offs, they're opting into this model. They're saying, yes, I can use the subset of APIs. Yes, my, you know, my ecosystem of packages is compatible with this. They're able to get better performance and uh, more cost-effective for their workload that they're trying to run on. And from hobby to enterprise customers, we've just seen you know, really, really great reviews from, from customers actually moving their traffic over to edge functions. Gotcha. So what changes on Thursday then? Really, the big thing is in coming out of beta and into um, a stable, generally available product is, you know, pricing is now available. There's guarantees Mm -hmm. for our for our larger customers around what that means for an SLA and and all of the bells and whistles that come around that. And I think it's just a a broader signal to the community of like this, this product Mm -hmm has been tested and now is ready for the operational readiness of your your everyday workloads. That's cool. See, now I want to go play with all this stuff. Yeah, it, it's really fun. I think for me, the, the function is really what got me extremely hooked on Vercel because mm-hmm. I always considered myself a, a you know, tried and true front-end developer. I didn't, really, I didn't really enjoy working with the back-end as much. But part right. of that was due to the inherent complexity of you know yesteryear's backends and actually setting up that logic. Mm-hmm. When it became as easy as a you know an AWS Lambda function, right? right? When that model came out, it really changed the 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 barrier of entry to actually writing some compute and hooking it up to do something, whether it's right. receiving a webhook or processing a payment mm-hmm. or sending a text message. Really changed the game for me, and and Vercel has made it. Very easy to not only run those workloads and validate them on your local machine, build them into all of your you know popular front end frameworks, but also make them super easy to, to deploy to prod and to to scale them. Right. So I know some people who are listening are their old hat Next JS. We've been doing it since forever, right? And and I, I think we've t- spoken a bit to them as far as hey, try this new stuff. It'll make life easier for you. But I'm I'm a little curious. What about just the new person, right? I mean, I talk to people that are brand new programmers and they're going, I'm learning, what do I do? And Next.js kind of, I wouldn't say training wheels, but it has a methodology to the way you build apps in it. And so it gives people some guidance that they can follow. And then I like telling people, hey, go check out a Next.js or, you know, something like it. How do those people get started with this and start exploring these new features? Just just pick up a Next.js. Yeah, one of the best parts about Next.js is that it's built on, at this point, you know, quote unquote, boring technology, right? Like React <laughs> is pretty boring at this point. Node.js is pretty boring at this point. These are things that developers have been hearing about or learning for a decent right. amount of time now, yep. all the way back to like the the many different stacks that incorporated mm-hmm. these. So the foundations should be familiar for a lot of developers, right. even if they're you know just getting into the ecosystem. And we've tried to provide some some really helpful educational material to bring them along that journey. At nextjs.org slash learn, we have this course that takes you from writing just vanilla JavaScript to writing React mm-hmm. to writing Next.js and brings your brings your mental model along for that journey. So you can kind of connect the dots from, okay, I right. learned the basics. I went through this boot camp and I, I learned HTML, CSS, JavaScript. How do I slowly enter in this world mm-hmm. of the front end complexity without feeling too overwhelmed? Right. 
That sounds terrific. And then let's say that I get that far, I build my little side project, or maybe it's a big side project. Is there guidance on where to take things from there? And how hard is it to get it deployed to something like Vercel? Yeah, one of the great things about having a, a great relationship between your front-end framework and the application code that developers mm-hmm. are writing and the actual cloud infrastructure that they're deploying right. to is that that's where the magic can happen, especially for beginners. As a beginner, I just want to write some code and then press a button and have it live on the internet where I can take a URL and send it to my friends. I don't want to have to think about setting up CICD. Yeah. I don't want to have to crack open that AWS console and like spin up a bunch of services. I just want to get a URL, right? And I want to do it in the context of these popular front-end frameworks that I already know or I'm learning and I'm wanting to use more and more of. So Vercel's philosophy essentially is like, hey, you could use Next.js or, you know, or SvelteKit or like any of these, you know, 30 plus front-end frameworks. You just mm-hmm. run Vercel in the command line or you push, push your code up to Git and we're just going to automatically give you these URLs back and make it as easy as possible essentially to get your code online and deployed globally and, and get great performance and all that stuff. Yeah, I like it. And the other thing is, is I just double checked because I never know who's offering a free tier, but you have a free tier. So if you're kicking yes. the tires, I mean, you just go get a free Vercel account and you just push it on in and see what it does. Yeah, I have my I have my personal site on my free tier. I have some other just like fun little hobby projects, you know, like a site for right. my sister, or a site for my wife, you know, it's like little stuff like mm-hmm. that. Very cool. Well, is there anything else that people ought to know about with Vercel or Next.js, anything you have coming up or anything that you've recently announced that we didn't talk about? I don't think so. I think stay tuned for more continuous Next.js releases throughout the next three to six months. We're going to be trying to shipping a lot of code, uh, a lot of updates around the app directory as we push forward towards stability, including some future RFCs that we'll be dropping. So Mm -hmm. definitely stay tuned. It's It's an exciting time to be learning React. So where do people follow that? Where do people pick up that news or get the documentation on it? Yeah, you know, we're on all the social medias, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, or whatever you prefer uh, at Next.js or at Vercel. We we tweet out about everything that we do, (laughs) whether it's, you know, new blog posts or new releases. Right. Cool. Yeah, well, uh, we'll put links to all that in the show notes just so, yeah, people can click through and find it. Vercel's pretty easy to find too. It's V-E-R-C-E-L if you're wondering how to spell it. But yeah, this was fun. Thanks for coming, Lee. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up right here. Yeah, I'm excited for all this stuff. Yeah, thanks for the 45-minute limit. I know sometimes that can be difficult, so thanks for being flexible with us. Yeah, well, I think I think we got the, the major points out, and at this point, you know, people can go find out more if they need to, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It was some good questions. 